to this podcast from ASHA, the American Sexual Health Association. I'm Fred Wyan, ASHA's Director of Communications. We get no small amount of feedback from visitors to our site, and one thing we've been hearing a lot is the need for more sexual health advice. So as proof that we do listen and respond, ashasexualhealth.org has now launched Sextras, a selection of articles written by sexuality and relationship experts. And these articles are really meant to offer practical advice and tips and techniques for the bedroom and, and beyond. So in honor of the debut of Sextras, this edition of the ASHA podcast features a chat with Walker Thornton, who's written a number of the articles that we're featuring. She has a master's degree in educational psychology, and she writes extensively about sexuality, relationships, sexual health, and caregiving. And she also resides in one of the most beautiful places on earth, the lovely Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, where I was fortunate to spend a few years. Walker, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Hi, Fred. Thank you. I'm tickled to be here. Great. So, as I mentioned, the new collection of articles in the ASHA site, was, uh, they were selected to give folks sort of direct, practical advice on sexuality, sexual health, and sexual pleasure that folks can really use, you know, so no highfalutin, you know, treatise on sex and society, but more things like, to borrow from some of your articles we're, we're offering, how to choose the right vibrator, learn how to become more orgasmic, and online dating chemistry. So in that vein of down-to-earth, how the heck do I deal with this, my first question to you is, what advice do you offer to couples who might be out of sync sexually, especially when levels of desire don't match? That's a great question. Um, and it, it comes up a lot. I think one of the first things I would say to a couple, whether I'm talking to one party or the other, is that you need to communicate with each other about what might be going on. You know, sometimes people are mismatched in terms of interest in sex from the beginning. And then sometimes our, our levels change. Um, there might be stressors in our lives or for women um, going through menopause or um, coming out of pregnancy. Things that happen to our bodies can affect our, our interest in having sex. So the very first place, I think, for a couple to start is to talk to each other, to figure out is, is this just something that's always been here or is one of the, the two people involved going to be able to say, you know, I'm just exhausted right now. My job is so tough. I just don't have time for sex. Or I don't feel like it. And, and then the conversation is open to say, well, what could we do differently? Maybe we should pick a time. Do you want to go away for a weekend? Or, or have, have the beginning of that conversation so that the two of them can figure out if there are simple things that can be changed. Um, lots of times it's not something simple. And then... That, again, conversation, um, you know, how do we deal with this? Understanding that it's an issue for both people. I had a woman come to me who said that her husband wanted sex much more often than she did, and her response to me was that she told him she would try to um, take care of him, putting that quote, on a regular basis. You know, that's a situation that sets up resentment, I think, um, who wants to take care of someone? It felt more like obligation. And so we, we had some conversation about her setting aside um, specific times to be with him. 
I also suggested that she take time to self-pleasure, to sort of um, begin to feel more aroused at various times with the hope that that might change things around for them. Um, you know, those are a couple of examples. It's, it's going to be different for every couple. Sure, and it sounds like the reason for the couple maybe being in different places in terms of desire, uh, the reasons for that can really vary. It may be just something as simple as a stressful work day, or it may be something much more significant. But either way, it looks like communication is really the way to kind of go after it. I think so. You know, I think communication is the answer to almost every single question we might ask about sex. Um, you know, if, if we're not really talking with our partner, or, or even to ourselves, if we can't imagine talking to a partner, writing it down, sort of verbalizing it somehow, you know, that's, that's sort of, to me, the key in how two people can begin to figure out alternatives or uh, we're going to address it, and I think, in the next question. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it's key. It really is. So what about when the sex life in a relationship gets a bit stale? What are tips for breathing some excitement into a sexual relationship that may not really be a bad relationship, but it could just use some freshening up? Right. Great question. Um, and since I mostly tend to write for and interact with middle-aged people, I hear this more often. Um, and even if sex is good, or it has always been satisfactory say, we get into a rut, and then it becomes, okay, so I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to, he's going to do this for two seconds, and then I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen, and then we're done. Um, so novelty, you know, trying to find something a little fun and a little different. Um, I think part of that is, um, again, talking, you know, being able to stay comfortably to a partner. Maybe if you all are both drinkers, you're having a glass of wine and say, you know, I'd like to try something different. What do you think we fill in the blank? And, and maybe one of the couple, one of the two people shares a fantasy. You know, I've always thought it might be fun to do this. Or I, for example, have this fantasy about wanting to have sex on my back deck. I know, it's pretty back there. And I think going outside and having sex on the deck would be kind of fun. So the challenge for me then is to share that with a partner and say, this is what I'd like to try. Um, another way to sort of put some spark into this is to think um, think of a sexual experience as something that happens over a longer period of time so that you um, maybe do a little sexing or sexy texting. I don't know if they're sending photos, but... Um, send your partner a quick little note. You know, thought about you this morning as I brought through the lingerie or trying to figure out what to wear today or can't wait to see you tonight. Maybe you'll pop in the door with a big kiss. Or, and it can get as sexy as you want, but it, it begins to um, set the stage for something a little exciting. It's out of the ordinary. A love note in the, um, in the lunch bag, maybe, or in a briefcase trying to figure out new things um, that happen during the day so that you don't just have sex after dinner, right before you go to bed, right after you've watched NCIS. Um, you know, that sex becomes something we do 
um, when we love and melt off against each other as we walk by each other in the morning, or we sort of expand what sex means and how it can happen. Well, talking to women, but what could men do as well to, to start that, that conversation? Looking across the breakfast table at your partner and saying, you know, I really find you hot. I, I want to have some playtime. Would go a long way for either one in terms of making them feel sort of excited, pleased to know that we're still attracted to each other, and then makes one feel more interested in, in getting more. So uh, when you mentioned that these, these techniques work for men and women, that is a perfect uh, segue to my, my next question. So imagine you're teaching a class of sex and pleasure. What are the things one absolutely must know to excite and satisfy first a female partner? Okay. Um, yeah, and I was kind of coming at that at that last question. So my answer is, is, is a fairly heteronormative one. Um, based on the assumption, I think, that men understand men and women understand women. So in same-sex or same-gender partnership, it might be um, a little easier to know, to know these things. Um, what, a, what, is a, what does a man need to know about a woman? The right. very first thing I think most men need to know is um, we, we take more time to reach arousal. I heard... Um, Someone say at a conference last month that a woman can take up to 20 minutes to become fully aroused, whereas a man sometimes it just takes a minute or two. It just depends. It's that um, long. Yeah, truly. A glance and there we are. It takes women longer, and men need to know that, really absolutely need to know that. So that means that the approach to whatever kind of sex you want to have needs to start slowly and to build up. We like to go a little slower. We need to be brought to arousal, and that can happen in different ways. Um, rushing in and starting to touch um, genitalia is not necessarily the best way to get us sort of excited and ready to go. Um, sweet words, hugs beforehand, touching the body, um, arm, nipples, kissing. Women like kissing. And it can be effectively used. So know that it takes more time. Um, it's taking more time, particularly for older couples as well, can be important for women in increasing the natural lubrication process. Because as our bodies get aroused, um, that's where lubrication begins to start. Now, in any age range, I mean, if women get older, they may lubricate less. But arousal helps to build that. So take it slower for women. Um, men absolutely need to know that, I don't know, the numbers vary statistics. Anywhere from 10 to 30% of women can have an orgasm through just intercourse alone. So that means that the vast majority of women need other stimulation. So men absolutely need to understand a woman's clitoris where it is, how she likes it touched, um, what kinds of things he, he can do with her and for her, and to understand that clitoral stimulation is really going to get her aroused and is going to provide her with more pleasure. So reading some books, reading some articles, um, but understand that too. And I think 
it would be helpful for men if you understood that in lovemaking with a woman, you learn, a man can learn more about his partner, and this holds for any partner, I think, um, by listening. Listening to their body, watching the body, being aware of things. Is the breathing changing? Do her hips sort of rise up to you? If, um, you know, it's easy to sort of take that old idea of men and women just come together to have that course. He sticks it in, takes a couple of minutes, they're done. Um, slowing down that process, becoming more intimate, using all the senses, hear how her breathing sounds, look at her body, um, is she flushing, are, um, are her genitals, are her labia beginning to swell, which is a sign of arousal. Really paying attention, not just sort of going on automatic and just kind of doing what you've always done, but listening and looking and talking. See if that's something your partner likes. Not all women or men either are comfortable with, with the talking. But that's how you really get there is pay attention to her body. Give it a lot of attention and, and watch and listen to see what she likes. Hear the moan the arch back, all those things are indicators of arousal and make the other person a better partner, a better lover when they can hear that. So those would be the absolutes, I think. Very good. So let's turn that around. Uh, what kind of information does someone need to know to really take care of the guy that they're cuddling with? You know, that was a harder one for me to answer, actually. Um, and maybe that's just the difference between being in a, in a female body. Um, I think we have this notion, women have this notion that men um, don't come to physical relationships, intimate relationships, with a lot of emotions around it. And I think we're absolutely wrong. Men want to know that they are performing well, they want to know that they're satisfying women. And I think that if women would spend a little more time telling their partner how much they like what he does and what they would like more of and letting that person know that he pleases them, that that gives a sense of well-being that, that communicates self-respect. So I think it's important to be able to let our partner know that because it also sets up the the, um, the situation for you to show and talk about how you could like more pleasure um, and other ways that you enjoy that might be better than you don't need to say that um, but that helps make the two of you work together um, respond to him women aren't we weren't raised most particularly those of us are older to be um, the leader in bed to be very responsive. So sometimes women take more of a passive role. And men like to know that they're the woman that they're making love with is engaged and excited. So showing them what you like, making little sounds, giving little gestures. Yes, I like this. Yes, I, you know, whatever language or, or signal you use. But being responsive, so sort of being more actively engaged in the sex act. Um, I think women need to understand the male anatomy. We need to understand where the sensitive parts of the penis are, what feels good, 
you know, does a man like his testicles touched? Um, if we just sort of take this assumption that it's just a tool by which to achieve ejaculation on conceived babies, we've missed out on all of this stuff. Um, and if we understand where the most sensitive spot on the head of a man's penis is, then we have a tool to bring um, a little surge of excitement when we want. We have to, I think it's only fair, if we want men to understand our bodies, we need to understand theirs. And in a way that no one has really ever taught us to, because that's just kind of beyond where, where sex education is ever going. Walker Thornton, sexuality and relationship expert, newly minted author on ashessexualhealth.org. Thanks. That was just excellent. You know, as I was listening to you, I was sort of doing a mental checklist of some new resources we might need to develop, like hmm, something about anatomy lessons uh, uh, for each gender. Um, Walker, thank you. I can't thank, tell you how much I appreciate this. And uh, let's do this again sometime. As new topics come up, I'd love to chat with you again if you have time. I'd love to do it. That would be a lot of fun. Thank you so much. As always, thanks to everyone who downloads and listens to this podcast. We will have more to come, so check back often. We're online again at ashasexualhealth.org. And of course, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're at InfoAsha and be our friend on Facebook. You can also sign up on the website to receive Asha's update emails, and we'll let you know what's happening in the world of sexual health, including new resources as we roll them out, including podcasts and articles from Walker Thornton. So until next time... This is Fred Wine signing off. And remember, the most important sexual organ is not between your legs. It's between your ears. So, so long, everybody.